Hello listeners, this is Conspiracy Theorem. We plan to expose you to conspiracies as much as we can, and then let you make your own decisions on whether they are true or not. Also, a quick disclaimer, we do not claim that any conspiracies we talk about are true at all, and there may be explicit content on the show. Now on with the show. I came across, I think it was two years ago, from a post from Anonymous, the uh, group, Confessions of an Economic Hitman by John Perkins, and that's what I want to talk about today. Do you have uh, have you any background or have you seen John Perkins or any (laughs) any familiarity with his work? Not one. This sounds fascinating. So John Perkins was a CIA agent. And what his main job was in South American countries primarily and in the Middle East was to go in and let's say a corporation like Bechtel or Dole Fruit or you can name X Corporation says, hey, there's some resources in this country we want, oil, gold, wood, whatever it is. They, they come to the country and say, hey, you know, we're going to build this power or we'll build this uh, fruit plant or we'll build this oil plant and it'll help a lot of you. It'll be great. And um, you'll be able to help your children and you'll have more money for college and you won't have trouble with getting to school or we'll help you with transportation. All the nice stuff. You know, you got to put a nice look to it. It almost is saying you know, let's give you the equity. Let's give you the assets. We're here to help you. I know we're a big corporation, but we're here to help you. Now, the problem is, and specifically this happened in Ecuador. This happened in places like Honduras. The power plants, the oil plants, whatever they were, they would never quite work up to what the corporation said they would. And they would never produce the intended results. Maybe it helps a few rich people in the country. But it doesn't ultimately help all of the people who need it. So people who middle class or lower don't get the assets. And then what happens is the country is left with a big amount of debt. It's like me selling you a car that doesn't fully function. And then I say, ooh, you're late for your payment. I know you paid $20,000. For this Ford Pinto, but we have to come and collect now. And you say, "Well, it's not working very well." I say, "Well, you laid on your payments, buddy." And they say, "Well, what can I do?" You say, "Well, we'd like to buy all of your your natural resources up for a dollar. You know, pennies on the dollar. We'd like to buy your oil. You, you know, we'll get you out of this debt. You just have to vote with us on the next UN resolution, or let us put a military base in your in your country." Would that be okay? And then here's what happens with the economic hitmen. Countries into debt. And they did this to a lot of South American countries. They did this to a lot of Middle Eastern countries. They go, they first come in. This is the first phase. He described it in three phases. The CIA comes in. They're like, they're friendly. They're like, oh, We'd like to make a deal with you. You know, we, we don't want to, you know, hurt you or anything. We just see that you're late on payments. 
And we're just, they're the debt collectors. They're the guys just saying, we're late on payments and we need these favors from you. Well, here's the interesting part. A lot that this is what gets a lot of countries into debt. They can't make their debt, so they either so a lot of people take these deals. What happens if they don't take the deal? What happens if they say no? And that was true for a lot of South American leaders, and it was true for um, Saddam Hussein. Not saying he's a good guy, not endorsing him, but then they say, "Oh, this guy doesn't want to play along." He really, you know, cares about his people. He's not interested in putting them into debt. And generally, the problem that happens is then they send in what's called the jackals. And uh, he ends up in a plane crash or they don't inadvertently just go kill him. But, you know, he, he ends up going missing or he ends up getting assassinated. And the problem with this is they put in one of their like puppets and they did this in Panama with, um, Omar Torilos. They got rid of him. Another example is uh, they did this to a lot of South American, uh, countries they did it in Venezuela. Um, and I'm not, and I'm not saying that I particularly like all these leaders or all these leaders are good guys or that, um, you know, I'm endorsing any political party or any political movement. But what I am saying is that people who were elected or people who were trying to help their countries either end up getting bought off or bribed. So what happens if they don't? What happens if they can't kill them? This is the case what happened in Iraq. They couldn't get rid of Saddam Hussein because he had had CIA training. He worked with the CIA. And they couldn't bribe him. He wouldn't take the same detail as the uh, Saudis. He didn't want to sell his oil cheap to them. And actually, I think one of the reasons I speculated the Iraq war is because pennies, um, he wanted to sell uh, euros instead of uh, dollars. So what they finally do, if they can't, bribe them they can't bring the jackals in is they send in the military and then they overthrow him and put somebody else in power uh, an interesting statistic uh that happened is uh before this whole crazy thing um in afghanistan they didn't produce any opium and then what happened is after the mujahideen they started to produce opium but then the taliban came in started to burn the opium fields because they didn't want their people addicted to opium. Next day, they had an excuse to go in and uh, continue opium production. So it's not actually, you can say, oh, it's not, you know, I don't live in America. Why is the Federal Reserve and why does that affect me? Because the World Bank and the IMF, which are big, uh, I guess you could say, Banks that are supposed to help countries are have the same issue where they it just printed up money. They just print up money, make up money, take somebody's resources, and w one way or another through bribing, coercion, or the military, these corporations end up taking a fair amount of the country's resources. And not only do they take a fair amount of the country's resources, but they enslave that country into debt. And you can imagine how it feels like waking up knowing that 
you're in debt that you can never pay back. Yeah, I understand the concept. So I'm, I'm in the back of my mind right now. I'm thinking of other United States interventions into other countries, even if they don't involve the military. And in the back of my mind, um, Libya popped up. Yeah. So I can't help but be curious what could have possibly have been there or have been placed there by these same people to cause the same situation, U.S. intervention, whether it be with, uh, you know, Tier 1 former special ops operators or what have you in CIA. What about them? Here's my understanding, and I'm not uh, particularly um, well versed on exactly everything, but here's what I understand. Gaddafi wasn't a good le- wasn't a great leader. I'm not saying, you know, I always want to put that disclaimer. But he wanted to take the dollar and drop the dollar and then start buying goods with the euros or oil with the euros. And it always seems interesting to me that when someone drops the U.S. dollar, suddenly the media comes on and says, oh, no, the people, look what he's doing. War cry, it's terrible. We need to help them. As you saw in the media, right? The media trumped it up. Of course. What I can see, what I can see happening with Gaddafi is he drops the U.S. dollar, and he wanted to go to either I think euros or a gold-backed system. Well, they didn't like that too much, as we can see, because we've seen before that they cooperated with these leaders. They cooperated with Gaddafi and Saddam, and and it doesn't really matter that they're tyrannical as long as hey. We want the U.S. dollar. We're going to give you a good deal, America. Or, you know, we'll give you and your uh, corporations a good deal. They're all too happy. But once you step outside a line and you drop the U.S. dollar or you don't go along with one of their deals, they don't see – it seems that they're always trying to overthrow or get rid of them. Just curious though, why Libya? What's in there? That led to that. I, um, from what I understand with Libya, it was he dropped the U.S. dollar. What's in there? I don't know exactly what natural resources they took from Libya. I would imagine it could be gold or oil. That's why that one actually got me on. I have to do more research. Why specifically Libya? Also... There have been ideas that they trained a lot of these radicals and they used Libya for background to get those radicals to arm them to go to Syria. That's also another interpretation. I have not confirmed that. You know that? Oh, why didn't I think of this? Syria. Why there? <laughs> why does Russia okay. care about protecting Assad? And why is the U.S. and pretty much everyone else want him dead? So what I can see is there's sides of uh, the U.S., Saudi Arabia, Israel, and somewhat Turkey. Turkey is the great flip-flopper in this. They want to get rid of Assad because they think or have an idea that, oh, if we put tyrannical uh, jihadists in power, A, they can get to Iran easier. Because that's what I'm starting to see. Because there's a lot of, oh, Iran's this, Iran's that. And they're demonizing Iran. There's also ideas that uh, Syria dropped the world dollar. They don't have any world debt. Um, They're not part of 
necessarily, I guess you would call, they're not a U.S. Uh, the U.S. doesn't have a leader in there. And from what I can understand, Assad's not a perfect leader either, but I, th- I see Russia, Iran, and other uh, nations can see that I think he'd be better off, especially in that region, than someone with radical religious ideologies, yeah, which is who the U.S. is supporting, clearly. Now, the U.S. claims not to. They claim to be supporting the Kurdish and things like that. Uh, I find that funny because they, th- that's what they claim. But then we have people from Russia, Iran, uh, Syria, and there's even a major headline that said, Trump says to CIA, stop funneling weapons to rebels. I'm like, well, the cat's kind of out of the bag there. Plus, if they really wanted to feed ISIS doesn't really have any, what I would say, great military capabilities. So how can't, you know, say if we have the best fighting force in the world and maybe we do, you know, occasionally fight with them, why, why are they still there? You know, and, and another point of contention I have is in Iraq, one, I, saw, I read another article that says $1 billion of weapons were lost or something of that matter. How do you lose a billion dollars of weapons? <laughs> if there was like a funny conspiracy, it would be called, dude, where's my Abrams? Because how, how do you lose? And then how did they get all of that military equipment? So there was some, there's some parts that don't add up and i'm not saying i have all the answers i'm still trying to piece it together but it doesn't seem not saying that assad's perfect that he would go out and just kill his own people willy-nilly and i'm willing to at least come with the thought that maybe there's some foreign interventions that are causing this we can especially see that or i think we especially saw that with um when uh, there was that chemical attack or that chemical hoax and there wasn't even enough time to investigate it, then all of a sudden it was just decided Assad did it and we're going to bomb Syria. So that's the way I'm seeing it. It's working because they don't directly cooperate with our interests or corporations' interests. If you drop the U.S. dollar, you're going to have a bad time, it seems. If you drop the U.S. dollar, you're no longer in debt, which means there's no more interest. Yes. There's nothing else that can be taxed. It makes actually complete sense. It's, a, it's essentially this. We need more people and more and more people for a Ponzi scheme so the military-industrial complex can go in. And money itself doesn't have value, so we need more natural resources. Well, if you say, I don't want to play this Ponzi scheme. You know, I kind of I want to be a sovereign and and trade with who I want, trade with what I want, what currency. And you say, oh, not only do I have the biggest Ponzi scheme. I mean, having it in my own nation and having it, but I have the most physical force. But I'm not necessarily always going to use it in the same way of just, you know, conquering by the sword, because that's what empires did beforehand the mongols the british romans nobody was like huh are you guys building an empire like well you know no i'm like there's soldiers over there i guess we're building an empire here it's very subtle 
you, you don't necessarily know. It's not something that you turn on CNN and uh, see. Actually, CNN's mostly distractions from what I've seen, a 30-year-old being evicted, and we can get into the mainstream media next time. But they'll never talk about how, oh, hey, Corporation A, B, and C, and um, U.S. military is there because they dropped the dollar. And it seems every time you drop the dollar, this Ponzi scheme gets weaker and weaker. So the dollar has less buying power. Eventually, this can't go forever. So they're trying to sustain just a Ponzi scheme that won't go forever. And if you don't play, well, something bad happens to you or your country. I'm just idle, 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 idle curiosity. What happens when you run out of countries? <laughs> You don't, I mean, I think eventually it collapses, eventually it loses power, or it doesn't become the world reserve currency anymore, and then people say, I want to trade with the won or gold or Bitcoin or whatever it is, and then it uh, has an economic throwback. What will happen economically, I don't know, because I don't, I don't want to sit here and be like, I don't like some of these doomsdayers, or they're like, well, it's going to crash tomorrow. I'm like, probably not. But it's not sustainable. No, it's not. So when when everybody's in debt, and I mean everybody, what happens then? When everybody's in debt, then, as you said, like a Ponzi scheme, eventually you can't, you know, just keep getting from the lower part and then giving to the higher part. It eventually collapses at some point. It doesn't work at some point. It's not. It's not a sustainable system. It's uh, like me saying I'm going to, you know, drink six, you know, like five, six packs a night. Eventually something's going to happen. I might get in a car wreck. I might have, you know, liver problems. I might um, run out of money and become homeless or something. I'm, you know, I could develop another other health problems. It's not something that's sustainable. So when every country's in debt, they... They need more countries to keep going and doing this too, or to try and take their resources. But by the same token, I mean, once you've secured all the resources and you've ran out of countries, you don't really need money at that point. No, you don't. You control the you control the water, the food, the housing. And it seems that's what these countries are not these countries these corporations want to do. In Confessions of an Economic Hitman, he talked about a company called Bechtel you're familiar with them and they put a water plant in bolivia and what happened is it got so bad that the bolivian water plant actually it, it turned protests turned into melees because they literally were having trouble with water in that country and they said hey we gotta get a bechtel out of here this is not causing this is causing issues with living with actual just drinking water and then oh, the, it turned into melee. It turned into just brutal out melees and protests. Okay, this doesn't sound good. <laughs> Funny how such an overt example of this doesn't make the news. No, well, it's not going to make the news because if people realized how certain things worked, they just wouldn't play the game. And the news. I think largely isn't there to educate you. News is there to distract you, get you worrying about who's not standing for an anthem or, you know, what's 
two scoops of ice cream or what did somebody say on Twitter? What did Kanye West say on Twitter? But they'll mm-hmm. never talk about how, oh, well, we're going to strike Syria and they're worried about Stormy Daniels or something Have like you, that. I'm sure you've noticed by now that literally every single issue that comes up on, on the news or any political medium, it's all a trick question. So when the bombs fell on Syria... You've got one half that says, yes, Assad deserved it. He bombed his people. And, I mean, I'm, I'm not saying that they're, you know, immoral for agreeing with that statement. But if the bo- if the chemical attack was actually true, well, then okay. Well, then, yeah, okay. And then you got the other side that's saying, no, peace and love. When the reality is, this guy dropped the dollar. He's not in debt. Don't you get it? <laughs> it's kind of... Yeah, that's... It's, it's literally... it's. It's that regular meme. I love when memes come up. I mean, it's just it's it's two people arguing over a political issue, and then it shows the libertarian over in the corner, like, "Hey, we're twenty one trillion dollars in debt." Yeah, it seems that they don't care about things that matter. Like they'll fight all day about can Colin Kaepernick do A, B, and C? Can you know so and so be allowed to say something on Twitter? Or what is what is their Twitter comments mean? Or we we got to get in depth. I mean, even I turned on you know I didn't even try and turn on the mainstream media, but I just happened to see it, and they're talking about some thirty year old guy in his house and his parents. I'm like, that's great, but well, how's that in a major news station when there's problems happening in the world, Syria being one of them, Yemen, that completely get glossed over. And it's interesting to see that the mainstream media very much was pushing for Iraq and Libya, and now we don't hear anything about it. Not a word about Iraq. So, no, nothing. And it was the it was the big thing when uh, they they talked about weapons of mass destruction, but <laughs> who gave it to them? That that's the honest question. It How was is working. this shit so I, easy to sell? Take gay marriage for example. I know it sounds off topic, but. <laughs> It's no, you've got one side that says, no, it, it's just not right that the, the puzzle pieces don't fit together. And then the other side will say, well, wh- why can't anybody who just loves anybody, you know, form a legal bond over it? And, you know, I'm not, you know, talking smack about either side for whatever they think. But what I am about to say is, um, why is there a license required to get married in the first place? <laughs> yeah, that's the trick question. That's the whole I love Doug Stunhope because he actually brings in. The question of if you stop looking at two sides of a ping pong table, notice there's a middle ground that makes sense. And when people have a lot of these arguments over issues that don't matter, and I would say don't matter in the sense of they they still affect you, but as an individual, should be your choice: gay, married, abortion, not owning you know firearms and stuff that shouldn't necessarily be something that you're really looking in for a leader to help you with but then they'll fight about those instead of what's trying to learn what's going on in the world and to me it's a distraction it's to keep one side butting head with one side here at home while they can lie and try and take the world's resources and, and corporations try and covet that now the alternative, I would say, is that things like Bitcoin are unstoppable coming out, cryptocurrencies. There's ways people can trade. And we are living in the most peaceful times in human history. And honestly, the system is not sustainable. So I can see, some, I can see real global economies 
hopefully in the future, where people are trading for what they want, trading for natural resources, instead of just trying to hoard it. Because necessarily, A, you can get natural resources and you can get this by trading for other natural resources you have or skills or services. And B, no, nobody gets injured, nobody gets hurt, you don't have to have a war, you don't have to lie. And then you can start actually making real friends and allies with people. I think that's why fundamentally the founding father said have no tangling alliances but trade with people, uh, experience commerce with people, and that will keep the world in peace. I'd say the, world, the way to good world peace, the way to stop this is encouraging free markets and free trade among individuals and among countries. Yeah, and I really agree with the free trade part, especially because since since all of our currencies are so mismatched, it, it makes little sense for, you know, uh, oh, what's an example? If I were to sell something or, you know, I'm, hence the reason why everything says made in China, because when you transfer the U.S. dollar over to the Chinese, whatever, it, it, it makes a lot more valuable sense. So, I mean, I'd rather see physical items that means something and carry some sort of weight get traded on international scales because of how currency is so mismatched. Yes. And you can see, um, how could you solve this? Well, eBay is a good way to world peace and, the, and to really educating people how to stop this. You know, like, Kareem, what does eBay have to do with this? eBay is a website that people sell stuff at their own prices. It's completely free market. That's how I say the, one of the only sites that is completely straight up free market and you come with your goods or services uh primarily goods I, I don't know if you can sell services on there anymore i used to see that but mainly your goods and you can just sell them at whatever price you deem fit and then people can bid or you can make offers or you can buy and that's very very powerful because it keeps not only people trading but billions of people are trading and I think it, you know, has to make, in a sense, the global economy flourish and nobody has to force anybody to do it. And if someone does get ripped off, eBay has buyer protection and they refund people. Wow. And setting up a system or a corporation like that where people could trade globally and then someone – I'm not saying they'd be in charge of trading, but they could mediate if there's a problem or a claim. Yeah, and then – To facilitate trade, kind of, kind of like Fiverr. Kind of like Fiverr or eBay. They facilitate trade. And that's what – if we should have any rule, that's all we should be doing. We shouldn't be trying to take resources. We shouldn't be having corporations go in and, and rip off their world countries. When we can actually help them and help ourselves more – and have a lot less human suffering and lives lost if we just have a sober-minded approach to it and actually just trade. I'm actually and that's having how a crazy thought right now. So I know I said that currency is mismatched, but let's pretend that the Federal Reserve didn't exist. And we did have a currency system that was backed up. And the whole world had some sort of system that was backed up behind their own dollar or whatever they call them. Do I, would stop, I would stop for a second and think that if all countries... Because I'm sure you've noticed that in order for a free market to function, you have to be able to offer a product or service for as many segments in the market as humanly possible. So, yes. you know, for example, a voiceover costing $5 doesn't feed a family over here. 
but it might feed a family over in Venezuela. Uh, it definitely yeah. doesn't, but it's just, you know, off the top of my head, a country's name. So I'm not saying that the whole world standard of living would be lower, but it could, in a sense, standardize the value of any particular item, regardless of the currency it's being traded on. Like, yes, as, that's as time true. goes on. You, you, like, you catch what I'm saying? It's, 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 I catch what you're saying. Yeah, so I mean, like, it, I'm not saying everything becomes devalued. I'm saying that, in a sense, that it, things might become more standardized. The standard of living could be more standardized when currencies go back to something that's backed up and that's internationally traded. Yes. And actually, to go to your example, I've seen people who work in uh, maybe Bangladesh or, you know, Pakistan for five bucks. And then to them, that's huge. They're like, wow, I got 10 bucks here. Where even though, even on Fiverr, though, think about this. If I came and said, there has to be a minimum wage to Fiverr, which there is a minimum of $5, but there's a minimum, you know, you have to give this person so much. Well, that couldn't function because I can do like we, um, I got off here and I did. Uh, a few gigs for five bucks and it took me like five ten minutes now if you raise wages or something that causes problems so if you have a truly free market you could come up with the parameters of how you're going to trade how much you're going to work and then what standard of living you want to obtain and then it's very clear what you can achieve with that because you don't have to have somebody who's trying to force or manipulate and I think that uh, that's the key to actually standardizing and helping most of the world is when they have their own natural resources back, they have their own currency that's not being manipulated, and they can fre freely trade. And also if you look at it, a savings account in the U.S., and when you put money away, doesn't earn much interest. But if it was standardized and there was no interest and you could just – put your money away, you could actually have a good retirement. Five bucks, ten bucks did mean a lot back in the day. If if I recall like talking to people, you know, who were growing up in the fifties or sixties, a dollar you know, you could do a lot with a dollar. But now like, a dollar even you can't so, do like, much. If the dollar was still backed up by, by gold, then the volatility that naturally comes with anything that actually has value could actually work in your favor if you just simply held on to you know if to the dollar it could yes. be, it could have increased in value by the time it's time for your retirement which makes sense especially if populations are growing but gold doesn't necessarily grow with it because why would it? it doesn't reproduce but um well unless it does i'm not i'm not a geologist but uh well what is it what's the one who studies rocks um I think that is a geologist. Yeah, I think so too. Anyway, <laughs> I mean, that's not a rock, but that's just what popped up in my head. But um, yeah, so if, if it actually had, you know, uh, that's why people invest in cryptocurrencies because that form of currency has a volatility with an actual, well, I'll call it actual value purely because it does fluctuate in some sort of numerical order. It's, so, you know, that's kind of what I'm thinking. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, these solutions make a lot of sense because if you have actual resources that aren't being, you know, hoarded, that you're not scamming people for, they're backed by real-world value, A, 
you have a more vibrant economy because more people are getting actual help and you're actually moving the standard of living up for people who are poor and then eventually eliminating more and more poverty. And you're helping people all around the world because you're, you're engaging in global trade, but you're not trying to necessarily control or bribe or hijack or mess with anybody's leaders or their natural resources. And there's infinitely less potential for global conflicts. Yes. Because actually, I don't don't see any. Yeah. And uh, if people were rationally self-interested, I'm I'm kind of diving into Ayn Rand a little bit. Um, If you stay, if people stayed away from the whole group mentality and move moving as a herd to go acquire someone's resource or whatever the processes are that lead to how horrible things are. Yes, violence would still exist, but it would happen on personal scales rather than global scales. Yeah, and that's a lot more manageable. See, I, I can't say like this would – because people want to say, hey, you talk about this perfect world or you know your crazy ideas about how you can fix things and, and either end global conflict or really curb it down. I would give them the alternative that it's not – that difficult right and it's it's kind of like like in the case of guns it's like when i say staunchly that i support the second amendment this isn't me saying to you that if everyone's armed it's suddenly going to turn into a perfectly polite world where everyone's afraid of the other person though there might be a small element of that no there's no there is absolutely no guarantee that there's going to be the perfect world that you're dreaming of but what i will say is you yourself as an individual have the choice to give yourself a fighting chance and you never know if people around you are aware of that they might be less likely to fuck with you (laughs) true and also it's not people want to hold a utopian standard to um a free society like how would it solve this would it solve this would it all be good well how do you account for these externalities well someone did something bad over here and look and say okay Maybe someone in the free market isn't that great at building roads or they had a bad company or maybe somebody in crypto used it for something bad. Okay. What's your alternative? You you know, I always found it funny that people would say, oh, Kareem, well, you know, cryptocurrency can be used for bad things. I'm like, yeah, so can the U.S. dollar and you can't mass print uh, cryptocurrency. So. No, you can't. In fact, it's getting harder and harder to make more of it. You need more computing power. Yes. Which is really cool, by the way. The fact the fact that you actually need like computing power to facilitate it so that it doesn't grow out of control. I don't know if that was intentional, but that's the way it is. That actually gives it a value. I and I completely and that's how we get out of this. We get people aware of what's going on. That there is a, I guess you could call it a shadow empire, or that there is an empire being built. Not, you know, not with the emphasis on shadow that some mysterious, spooky thing. That it's being built by just simply this method: going into a country, either giving them a deal or trying them, trying to get them on the U.S. dollar and, and you know, buy things, or they set up a power plant, or one of their corporations sets up. You could say like a power plant or a processing plant. And then 
They can't pay the debt back. They're not. They're designed to go in debt, and then they use the power of this debt to leverage a, a country for their own needs or UN resolution. And if that doesn't work, then they usually try and get rid of that leader or something like that, and then put their own person. In that. And if that doesn't work, then they bring in the military. Yeah. And those are the specifics of the international conflicts and you know all that good stuff. Just kidding. Um, but at the end of the day, the one thing that I would implore our listeners to take away from is, please, for the love of God, stop arguing one side or the other of a trick question. Yeah, and that's actually where I want to go into next week. I want to talk a little bit about fake news. I know everybody talks about fake news, but there are ways to, A, get around it, and B, there's ways to, even if news isn't fake, there's not all there can be true news that just has no value. So it's not just fake news you have to be worried about. It's just news stories that don't hold much substance. But you know, I almost kind of wish I came across more of those. I want to see a puppy video on the news. Why not? <laughs> it doesn't have substance. It doesn't necessarily change the world, but it made my day pretty okay. Hey, I'm down with Pop, but you can use YouTube for that. They'll go, oh, no. Yeah, that's true. And it is free. <laughs> and portable. But, yeah, that's, that's yeah. kind of what I'm thinking. I mean, because, like, it, it don't argue one side of a trick question applies to, I mean, it took literally 38 minutes to get to it. But, you know, the way the Federal Reserve or the, you know, corporations in any variety end up manipulating a country. And after that happens then you've got people arguing and becoming foreign policy experts on peace and war. Stop arguing over that trick question. Why are why is anybody there to begin with? Ask that question. What got yeah, us there? Uh, that's actually one of the most interesting things. I'll see people fight over, well, we should do this, we should do that, we should try this, we should get involved here. And I'm sitting here saying, maybe we shouldn't be involved in anything. Maybe we can't fix the world's problems. Maybe we're creating the world's problems. If we just stopped getting involved, we'd be okay. So the thing is, though, is like everybody, if you get them alone, will say exactly what you just said. Just leave everyone alone. Let's. Unfortunately, at the end of the day, like that—that's an idealistic way of of speaking. But there were also most people when they say that are speaking purely on military policy and and intervention. True. Because that's what, that's, right? You know what I'm saying? Like, when people are speaking, let's leave everyone alone, they're thinking specifically of the military. No, I mean, like, everyone out, unless you are actively trading. <laughs> yes. That's actually how I'm looking. Just trade with people, everybody out. Let's not try and figure out what's the best for everybody because we don't know. We don't know what's the best for the world. So, we shouldn't be messing in other people's affairs. We shouldn't be trying to bribe them. And it ultimately comes down to if we can take responsibility and just, you know, educate more people about this, then I can see a world like this coming very soon because it's interesting. You know, the, US the majority is of people syndrome want from the Incredibles. Yes. Kill off all the countries so you can go in and save them. Yes. Oh my God, that's so funny. I'm sorry, though. I think I cut you off, though. That just was an explosive, humorous thing I had to say. That's fine. 
<laughs> but um, ultimately, yeah, you got. I mean, you got to have fun with it. But most people, hey, just want to leave everybody alone. So let's, you know, let's do what the majority of people want to do and just chill. Yeah, you know? I mean, that's all. Yeah, seriously. But yeah, or we could go the Incredibles route and you know save the day. Yeah, but yeah, it's just uh, strictly speaking, when you're talking about solving the world's problems, it goes a lot deeper than the U.S. military and their intervention. <laughs> no, we need to save this country. No, we need to we need to get the military out and solve it. You know, with the Peace Corps or something like that, or whatever people say. Or no, we need to use it with the military and bomb the hell out of Assad. No, dude, we no, we're actively attempting to ruin the country. Mm-hmm. With uh, Iraq too, because they drop, you know, they drop the dollar and everything that we labeled earlier. It's like people are arguing over a trick question over what the military should do when it really is, well, everything we just said. Exactly. It's, exactly. It's, it's kind of an epiphany moment because you know I I often find myself arguing on either one side or the other it purely because like it's just hard for me to fathom somebody being so evil that you purposely put someone into debt as a predatory lender to seize their resources purposefully to guarantee your own survival subvert another nation and then throw <laughs> the world's most powerful military at them and then get the people's support behind it and argue <laughs> over it how evil do you have to be <laughs> well i i think it comes down to they're not looking as evil it just letting greed possess you to the point where you can't see that there might be a better way. And I'm just saying, Hey, we're here. We're too, I'm, I'm not saying I'm the foreign policy expert or an economic expert. I'm saying there might be a better way. And there might be a reason that this conspiracy needs to be exposed. Maybe it will help people at least get an idea of some of the things that are going on in the world. And, uh, also will follow up with uh stuff on how the mainstream media keeps people out of this whole type of discussion as well so they can start to look for alternatives for next time thank you for listening to this episode of conspiracy theorem from packaged media the show is hosted by kareem mays and nick dole and produced and edited by eric lambiasi Send us your opinion either in an email or through voicemail on our site. Remember to give us a 5-star rating and review on iTunes. Return next week for the next episode, and remember, make your own decision.